0: Where Jesus looked at the multitudes and and he was moved with compassion. And uh, I know he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And and he looks at us with compassion. That is the heart of Christ. So if you have a Bible this morning, please turn with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to take a look this morning at verses one through twenty three as we will continue in the word. And before we do, I just want to lift up the sick of, of the church. Pastor Joe is still a little under the weather. He's still recovering. And uh, so we're, we're praying for his speedy recovery. Uh, also for Lourdes, we want to pray for Lourdes. He had heart surgery. And Richard uh, Ramos is uh, in the, still in the hospital. We pray that, that the Lord would uh, heal him. As well as uh, t- my friend Tommy's uh, friend who has multiple tumors, we'll, we'll want to lift him up. And uh, baby Grace as well. Let's pray real quick. Father, we come before you with these needs, Lord, asking that you would uh, minister to each one according to their needs. Father, you, we know from Scripture, you, all you have to do is say the word and they will be healed. So Father, we pray, Lord, that you would touch each one of these lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I entitled this message this morning in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Seeing, hearing and understanding. Seeing, hearing and understanding. It says here in verse 1, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. So here in the beginning, it starts with on the same day. So a lot of things happened that day. It was a busy day for Jesus. So let me get you caught up as I kind of go through chapter 12. And chapter 12, It says that Jesus and His disciples were walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath day. And His disciples were hungry. And they began to pluck the heads of the grain and they began to eat them. But the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or the, the scribes, the religious rulers at that time, were very critical. And in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, the Bible tells us that they noticed that the disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. You see, their culture was very much like our culture today regarding sanitary uh, issues or sanitizing things. You see, the scribes and these uh, Pharisees were very hypersensitive. Uh, If they... Would look at you. They would look down from their perches if you didn't meet their standard. And we see that today. You know, I walk by somebody uh, during the, in the street, and they looked at me kind of strange, and they looked at me kind of cross. So at this time, these uh, the scribes and Pharisees uh, were looking down at people who didn't uh, meet their standards or their ritual culture uh, cultural standards. They would even hold their robes, the Bible tells us, or cult, history tells us. They, they would hold their robes to keep them from touching others, from getting defiled by sinners. You see, this hypersensitivity was, could have been brought on by worrying about catching some kind of disease. And today, we have the same thing. Like today, there is a big war, worry about COVID. We're all distancing. We're all wearing masks. And in that culture that Jesus was uh, talking about here, their big one of their biggest problem was leprosy. They were facing a leprosy problem. And some of the symptoms, let me describe them. The symptoms of leprosy were, it would affect the skin. It would affect your nerves. This disease would cause a discoloration in patches in your skin, causing you to lose sensitivity and making you numb to every kind of feeling. These people who got leprosy would experience uh, nerve damage. Their skin would start uh, thickening. Uh, They would experience stiffness, stiffness and the hardening and the drying of their skin. They would also have open sores on the bottoms of their feet. And then what they would also experience is, is great lumps, big lumps on the sides of their neck. On their faces, on their, all, all around their earlobes. They would lose their eyebrows and they would lose their eyelids. And eventually, this numbness would cause a weakness in their muscles. And... Eventually, paralysis will set in to the hands and feet, rendering them immobile, immobile. Their joints would start to swell up. They would have big joints on their elbows and their knees and then the sides of their neck. Then they would start to lose their sight and they would experience blindness. So blindness, sores, loss of feeling, deformity. Leprosy was pretty bad, but it was once greatly feared and highly contagious and it was a devastating disease. But now we know it doesn't spread easily and the treatment of it is very effective. So these Pharisees probably had good intentions, so to speak, but it comes to a place where they're were so extreme that they they missed out. So here they're trying to catch Jesus in chapter twelve and when they saw the disciples picking the wheat and not washing their hands on the Sabbath, they, they believed that they were breaking the law of not washing their hands, but also working on the Sabbath. Picking the grains of of, of wheat was considered working. They were working, so they were breaking the law. And as we see in Matthew chapter 15 verse 2, there it says that why do you transgress the traditions of the elders for your disciples do not wash their hands when they eat bread. So they were making these things a big deal, not washing their hands yet in all the encounters that Jesus met with, with these religious rulers. He always answered them with scripture You would always hear Jesus say the phrase, have you not read? Have you not read? And he would repeat that over and over and over in the gospels. And so that is a good, it was a good standard for Jesus. It should be a good standard for us. So they were claiming that the disciples were breaking the law that they were teaching in the temple this law, but Jesus showed them their errors and their misinterpretation of the law. Jesus even claimed that He is greater than the temple. Basically, Jesus was saying, I am the lawgiver that you teach from your temple, I'm the one that gave you the law. Basically, Jesus was correcting their misinterpretation of the word, of the law, and basically was saying, I am the author. I am the author. I am the lawgiver. So this is how Jesus' day started here. But it didn't end there. So it says that he went into the synagogue, and he began to sit down, and they were watching him, these religious rulers. Again, the Pharisees and the scribes were watching him. To see what he would do. Would he heal somebody on the Sabbath? It was a setup. And in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 10, it says, Behold, a man with a withered hand was sitting there, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That they might accuse him. And in verse 11, it says that Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, He, he tells the congregation, Because they were trying to catch him. He tells them. Which one among you. If you have a sheep. And it falls into a pit on the Sabbath day. You wouldn't go in. And pull it out of the pit. And everyone. In the synagogue was quiet. It was an an obvious question. And no one answered. So Jesus said stretch forth your hand. And he restored the man. But then Jesus. In Matthew chapter. Twelve. In verse 17, to 17 through 21, Jesus begins to tell them, basically, I'm fulfilling Isaiah chapter 42. I'm the fulfillment of the Messiah, the coming one. So Jesus was making it clear who he was and what by what authority he was doing these things. And in verse 21, he even said, in his name, the Gentiles will also trust. So even us as Gentiles would believe in the Messiah. In verse 22, it says that he healed a demon-possessed man. And he was blind, he was mute, and he began to speak. But these religious rulers, they were so caught up in their ritual and their religion, that they attributed the works that Jesus did, verified by Scripture, as that of Satan. Satan. And Jesus told him in verse 26, You're very close to committing the unpardonable sin, something that is unforgivable. You see, all the miracles he was doing were attributing to the. They were saying that he was. Uh, they were attributing the works that Jesus were, was doing to that of Satan. But whatever Jesus did, he backed with Scripture. So he healed the man. He healed the man who was had the withered hand. He healed the man who was demon-possessed. And then the Pharisees come to Him and they said, Okay, show us a sign. You know, like the miracles weren't enough. Show us a sign. We want to see a sign. But Jesus says in, in verse 39 of chapter 12, An evil and adulterous nation seeks after a sign. No sign will be given you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Again, here, Jesus goes back to scripture. So that is a great lesson for us. Whenever somebody questions us or our practices, we need to go back to scripture. Verse 40, Jesus said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the son of man himself will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus was saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to resurrect in three days. This is what is going to happen. And we know historically it did happen. But in verse 43, Jesus gives d- deep insight into what happens when uh, somebody is demon possessed and somebody gets healed. So Jesus, how does Jesus know this information? He's the authority on spirituality and what's taking place in the heart. But chapter 12 closes as Jesus' mother and his brothers were outside the door and seeking him, Jesus here gives deep insight into Jesus uh, that Jesus was pointing that those who have a spiritual relationship with God have a deeper connection than those who have hereditary relationships. There's something deep and there's something special about what is taking place in the heart. These are my sons and my daughters, Jesus is saying. So after dealing with all these things in chapter 12, it says the same day, this busy day, Jesus went out of a house and he sat down by the sea. You see, during this time, teaching is you guys are sitting and I'm standing. But during the time of Christ, the teacher was sitting and everyone else was standing. And so Jesus was teaching So, times have changed. So, it says that he, the crowd was so large here. And for better acoustics and sound quality, Jesus got into the boat. And he launches out a little bit. For verse 12, verse 2 here of Matthew chapter 13, it says, And great multitudes gathered to him. So, he got into the boat, and he sat to teach. And the whole multitude stood on the floor. So... If Jesus would be teaching here, we'd be standing. Verse 3 says, And when Jesus spoke many things to them in parables, He said, Behold, a sower went out to sow. So here it says He spoke many things to them in parables. A parable is a teaching using figurative language, comparing things to help the listener understand the message. Or to bring the listener into a deeper understanding of the meaning. They would use comparisons with one another to show the likeness. So that you could understand. So he said, behold a sower. Speaking of one who plants seed went out to plant. Verse 4 says, and he sowed some seed and it fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some of them fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth. And immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, because they had no root. They withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground, and yielded a crop, some A hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Then Jesus says, in verse 9, He who has ears, let him hear. So, in verse 10, the disciples came to Jesus and said to Him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11 says, And he answered and he said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given for whoever has to him, the more will be given and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and not understand. And seeing, you will see and not perceive. And in verse 15, he says something very critical. He says, for the heart of this people has grown dull. The ears of their hearing are hard and their eyes are closed lest they see with their eyes and they hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. This is very deep. Verse 16 says but blessed are you Or blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears they hear for surely i say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it here we have a familiar passage to many believers a lot of us know the story it's a familiar passage it's a it was a familiar practice to those who were there with Jesus on the seashore. Very familiar. But yet, even though they heard and they knew what Jesus was talking about, they still didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. And that could happen to us too. We could be hearing, but not hear. We could be seeing and not see. Like these Pharisees, they saw the miracles, the awesome work. They knew the Scriptures. They could have it comparable. Yet still they didn't see, nor did they understand. The number one problem. And two. Is that We can become so familiar that we can miss out. The number one problem here, it says, Jesus said, For the hearts of this people have grown dull. The hearts of this people have grown dull, it says. That was the major problem. And sin, which caused the, is what causes the dullness. You see, sin is likened to leprosy. And here, leprosy, what, what we saw the symptoms. You know, a thickening of the skin. A dryness. A callousness. Insensitivity to the outward body. But sin can have this same effect on our hearts. It could c- cause us to have a dull heart. Have an insensitivity heart. To that of the word of God. It could cause dullness of hearing. The word to grow dull. Means to make thick. To make you insensitive. Unfeeling. Hard hearted. And inward failure of your inner senses. Spiritually speaking. Causing one to walk unsteadily. Because your heart has grown callous. Towards the things of God. You see. Jesus knows. Our heart. He knows our hearts. You know. The Pharisees thought they were all right. Those on the seashore thought they were all right. But Jesus was pointing to the major problem. That man has. And when I talk about man. I'm talking about you and me. You and me. So Jesus points out out three major effects of growing dull like leprosy number 1 spiritual blindness if my heart is hard i could have number 1 spiritual blindness i could see but i'm not really seeing how do i know this jesus tells us here in the scripture number 2 hearing problems i'm hearing but i'm not really hearing the word of god it's not really having an effect in my life And number three, spiritual understanding. The problem that they don't understand with their hearts. Why? Because it is dull. There is no sensitivity in their hearts. And Jesus says, their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes are closed. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Least they should understand with their hearts and turn to, So that I should heal them. Man, Jesus wants to heal our hearts. Jesus healed the blind. Jesus healed the man with the withered hand. He healed those who were demon possessed. But here he's speaking of a deeper and inward problem. Do you have vision problems? Spiritually. Do you have hearing problems? Am I only hearing what I want to hear? Do I have understanding problems? Do I have a heart problem? You see, those who came... Jesus healed a lot of people. If you read through the Gospels, multitudes and multitudes were going to Jesus and He was healing them all over the place. No limitations. He would speak the word and they would be healed. But they all had one thing in common. All the people that Jesus healed had one thing in common. They knew they were sick. They knew they had a problem. And most of us don't think we have a problem hearing the word of God. Most of us think we don't have a problem seeing the things of God. Most people think we don't have understanding problems or a dull heart. We think we have it all together. You see, the biggest problem is not recognizing that you have a problem. Because if I don't recognize I have a problem, I'm not going to the doctor. You see, sometimes we see ourselves one way and others see us another way. But how does Jesus see us? That's the most important thing. How does Jesus see you? How does Jesus see the church? Because you see the church isn't this building behind you. You're the church. You're the church. How does Jesus see you? To get a good view of what Jesus sees... In the heart of the church. We could turn to revelations. As Jesus is addressing the church. And Jesus calls one church. A loveless church. A loveless church. He knows what's in the heart. In revelations chapter 2. Verses 4 through 5. He says nevertheless. I have this against you. You have left your first love. Jesus knows what's in the heart. He knows if you really love him. He knows when you leave. But he says, remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Is that you this morning? You see, Jesus also addressed the persecuted church. And you know what Jesus said to the persecuted church? Hang in there. Hang in there. Draw close. Hang in there. But Jesus also addressed a compromising church. Are you compromising this morning? Jesus said, I know you're committing sexual immorality. I know what's going on in here and here. You can't hide. But he also warns, you're listening to false teaching and your The false teaching is causing others to stumble. Your life is causing others to stumble. You need to repent. Jesus also spoke of a corrupt church. A corrupt church that was accepting false teaching. And this teaching was seducing others to commit sexual immorality and the worship of demons. The worship of demons. Are you that church? Do you listen to false teaching? Is something seducing you? to commit sexual immorality do you mingle paganism with scripture but also jesus spoke of a dead church a dead church and he tells them there's something you need to straighten out here in your heart in revelation chapter 3 and verse 2 he says he says open your eyes be watchful. Why? Because you're weak. You're weak, he says strengthen the things that remain. For I have found I have not found your works perfect. In other words, you might be serving God, but God knows that you're only serving him half heartedly. You're not giving him your whole heart. And Jesus said in Revelation chapter three and verse three, therefore. Remember how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. For I will, if you do not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know know what hour that I will come upon you. So Jesus has a lot to say about what's going on in here in the church. And Jesus also called one church. A lukewarm church, a lukewarm church. Am I lukewarm this morning? In Revelations chapter three, verses fifteen through seventeen, Jesus says, "I know your works. You are not neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth." A figure of speech. Because you say, because watch how they saw themselves. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. But Jesus says, don't you know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And he's speaking spiritually. You're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. See, they saw themselves one way. But Jesus saw them a totally different way. Lord, I can't hide from you. We cannot hide from the Lord. But Jesus also tells a faithful church in Revelation chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, I know your works. I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. For you have a little strength and have kept my word, and not denied my name. But he said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, and see that no one takes your crown. You see, even the religious rulers at this time of Jesus saw themselves as okay. They saw themselves as in good standing with God. But you see, Jesus corrected them. He said their first problem in John chapter 5 and verse 38 through 40. He says, you do not have his word abiding in you. Number two, unbelief. And number three, they didn't have a relationship with God. They only had a superficial relationship with God and they were merely going through the motions Of church. Of spirituality. How do we know? Because do your actions line up with what the word says? Like Jesus. Everything Jesus did was matched up by the word. So to the Christian. Your life should match the word. Or there's some kind of disconnect. There's some kind of dullness. There's some kind of vision problem. There's an understanding problem. There's a sin problem. There's an understanding problem. But Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 39 through 40, he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Again, they, they saw themselves as okay. They were reading the scriptures, but they had no relationship with the Lord. There was a problem in the heart. So there's a way others see me. There's a way I see myself. But there's a way that God actually sees me. And I pray this morning that God would open our ears to hear. That he would open our eyes and that he would open our understanding so that he would heal us. That we would pray that we wouldn't have a dull heart. In verse 18 of Matthew 13, as Jesus continues in light of what I just said, the the parable, he says, hear the parable of the sower. Take a heart check. Hear the parable of the sower. Take a heart check. Verse 19. When anyone hears the, the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. You see, the condition of the heart is very important. The wayside was a well-traveled path. A broad way. Jesus talked about a narrow way and a broad way. This is a broad way. The condition of the heart was hard. It was traveled on by many. Do you hear the message? But is it quickly gone? As soon as you leave here, is it? after you leave this place, is it gone? Have I forgot about what has been taught? Do I understand it? Do I understand it? How I understand it is gauged By my conformity to what I just learned. If I'm not applying it. I'm not understanding it. It's not taking root in my heart. Therefore I'm just going through the motions. And the end result here. Of this kind of condition of your heart. Jesus says you're being ripped off. Here it says it's snatched away. From your heart by the wicked one. It could happen to you here. How do I know? Jesus says so. Jesus says so. But here in verse 20 through 21, Jesus continues and says, "But he who receives seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and he immediately he receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but only endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So again, another condition of the soil of your heart. The stony places Jesus is talking about here. You hear the message. And you experience some joy. You're like, yeah, you know, oh yeah. And that, that's good. That sounds great. Wonderful. There's some emotion going on. But here Jesus says there's no root. Because there's no depth. And because there's no depths, you will only endure for a while. Because tribulation's coming, trials are coming, and persecution, pressure from family, pressure from friends, pressure from co-workers, temptation comes. And the end result is they end up stumbling, becoming enticed to sin. The Bible says they fall away. But in verse 22, it says now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. So another condition. Is my heart among the thorns? The bushes that have thorns, you know, speaking of the world. We hear the word. But the cares of the word. The world here speaks of things that are distracting. Are there things distracting me? This hearer starts to be drawn in a different direction. This world is more important than the next. Jesus says the deceitfulness of riches. Choke out the word. The deceitfulness of riches will choke out the the word something's deceiving you something's influencing you and it's slowly seducing you to sin you know i do jujitsu and and part of jujitsu is is we choke people out it's part of the art but i don't just go for a choke right away and put somebody out i take my time I maneuver myself to a place where I'm in position before I get submission. And the same thing with sin. It's putting you in a position with seducing you until it finally strangles you. It's going to get you. It's just a matter of time. The end result is he becomes fruitful. Not yielding to what has been taught and they miss out on what God has for them. Verse 23 but says but he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. It is he who indeed bears fruit and produces Some 100-fold, some 60, and some 30-fold. So good ground here speaks of a capable soil of producing crops. Tender soil, a tender heart, a teachable heart. He's speaking of here is one who hears the word and understands it. There is a conformity to the word of God. Yet they're not perfect. They're growing in a right relationship with the Lord. There's evidence. That it's bearing fruit. And it's showing by their conduct. It's Being conformed to the word. And not the world. The end results. It says they began producing. They began to produce. So like leprosy. In scripture is likened to sin. Internally sin causes blindness. Sin causes a loss of feeling. And a deformity of a dull heart. A a deformity of a dull heart. Even though we can't see it. Spiritually sin will leave you blind and unable to hear. How's your understanding this morning? How's your understanding of the scriptures? Am I like one of the scribes? One of the religious rule leaders? Do I look down on others when others don't meet my standard? Are we like the churches in Revelations? Is the path of the Word... Is the seed falling on the wayside of your heart? If so, ask the Lord to till the soil this morning. So that the enemy wouldn't rip you off. Maybe your condition of your heart is like a stony place. You hear the message... You experience joy, there's emotion, but there's no root, there's no depth. It says, you're not going to endure for long. You're not going to last. You're going to endure for a while. Trouble's going to come. Trials are going to come. Persecution's going to come. Pressure from family, pressure from friends, pressure from co-workers is going to come. The end result is you're going to stumble. You're going to be enticed by sin to fall away. Unless you ask the Lord to remove the rocks in your life. Remove the rocks that are hindering the growth. You see, I can't see the condition of your heart. You can't see the condition of your heart. But He can. But He can. Or maybe the condition of your heart is like those among the thorns. Ask yourself this question. Are the cares of the world becoming a distraction? Is something drawing you in a different direction away from the Lord? Is this world more important to you than the next? Jesus makes it clear. Don't buy into the lie. The deceitfulness that is alluring you away is going to choke out the word in you. It's going to influence you and it's going to seduce you to sin until it has you. Be careful, you're going to miss out on what God intends for you. But to those on good grounds, we always, good ground always needs to be maintained. If you think your heart is on good ground, you need to be maintained. We need to check our hearts. Often, I need to check my heart. But the beautiful thing is, the Bible says in Isaiah forty three nineteen that Jesus could bring rivers into the desert. He could change hearts. But you see, we, we simply need to go to Jesus and say, Lord, how's my heart? Lord, where am I? Because I see a certain way. My friends in the congregation might see a certain way. But you really see. Lord, you know the condition and you know what it takes To change his heart. I don't want to go through life with these ears and not being able to hear, and these eyes and not being able to see, and this mind and this heart and not being able to understand the great things that God has for us. In Psalms, in closing, in Psalms chapter one and verse three, we have a good remedy. our hearts is stay close to the water source of the word. Stay close. Be in the word night and day. Be in the word, Christian. It's going to cleanse your heart. It's going to wash you. It's going to keep you soft and tender. He's going to minister to you by the work of the Holy Spirit. If you really honestly, and I, I want to encourage every Christian this morning to go to the Lord and say, Lord, here's my heart. Lord, change my heart. Lord, do a work of your Holy Spirit in me. Because what God can do, we cannot do on our own. Only Jesus could change our hearts. Only that of a miracle could happen within our hearts. In Psalms chapter 1 and verse 3 It says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season and whose leaves shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Man, I want to be close to the word. The word is likened unto water. It sanctifies us. It cleanses us. It causes us to grow. Peter says it's like meat. Hebrews chapter uh, 5 verse 12 talks about. It'll cause us to grow spiritually. But if there's a distance between me and the word, there's a problem. But also there can be a problem like the Pharisees. They were in the word, but they had a heart problem as well. They were in the word and they were just going through the motions. A.W. Tozer said, Whoever would be filled by the Spirit should first judge his life for any hidden iniquities. He should courageously expel from his heart anything which is out of accord with the character of God as revealed in Scripture. Be be ye holy is not a mere model to be framed and hung on our walls. It is a serious commandment from the Lord Of the whole earth. So this morning, we could be saying, I wish so and so was here to hear this message. We could be saying, I've heard this before. And we could say, I'm good. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful. We gotta check our hearts. When Jesus addresses something. We really need to take it seriously. And you see, the problem isn't a surface problem. Jesus said in verse 15, the problem is the problem of the heart. It's dull. I'll finish with Warren Wiersbe's quote. He mentioned this in his book, God Isn't in a Hurry. He wrote of Spurgeon saying, My beloved brother, And he's speaking to his students. He says, let us pray. We cannot all argue, but we can all pray. We cannot all be leaders, but we could be pleaders. We cannot all be mighty at rhetoric, but we can all be prevalent in prayer. I would see soon see you eloquent with God. Than with men. Let's go to the Lord this morning and give him our hearts. Father, we love you and Father, we thank you for the words of Christ. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would hit the target of our hearts, Lord. Father, any area of our hearts that is dull, Lord, like leprosy, we're losing sight. Or we're not hearing. Or we're not understanding. We're not applying your word this morning. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would do an awesome miracle this morning. Father, that you would till the hard soil this morning. That you would remove those stony rocks out of our lives. Father, that we would grow not amongst the thorns, Lord, but on good ground. And Father, may we see a work of your Spirit in each one of these lives here and those listening at home. Father, we pray, Lord, for the produce of our life to produce fruit. And Father, that we would watch and witness a supernatural work of your Holy Spirit. Father, as your word says, for life to come, one must die. And may we die to sin. But Father, make us alive in the newness and walking in the newness of life in the power of the resurrection. Father, for we know with you all things are possible. So Father, we recognize we have heart problems, Lord. And we come to you this morning asking that you would heal our heart. That you would heal our hearts, Lord. As you looked at the people, you looked at them with compassion. You saw them as shepherdless sheep. And you desire them to come into your fold, Lord. I pray, Lord, this morning, if anyone does not know you intimately and personally, that this morning, that right where you're sitting, you could say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and wash me. Make me brand new. Heal my heart. Make me born again so that I could have everlasting life with you that I could be an error, And Father, we pray for the Christian who... has a stony heart. Father, we pray, Lord, that the Word this morning, as Jeremiah says, like a hammer, would break up the hardness of the heart. Father, we pray for those amongst the thorns, Lord, father for a retransplant lord from things that would choke them out lord father those things that would seduce them lord and father those things father that would lead them to a place where they're going to miss out father we pray father that you would transplant them on good ground and father we pray for those whose hearts are Are well, well tended, Lord, but we pray for maintenance, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, that we wouldn't allow anything to take root, any hardness of heart to come in, as the enemy likes to lop over stones into the harvest field, or to tear, to sow tares to choke out the word. We pray, Father, that we as Christians would recognize those things. And ask that you would tend our hearts. So do a work of your spirit this morning. In and through each of one of my brothers and sisters, Lord. And Father, we thank you, Lord, because you're more than able. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, uh, let's pray for, uh, this morning.